0: I got these intros locked and loaded. All right. And as I say that, a dog hair flies into my mouth. And uh, that's the worst part about having a dog. Um, I got my TikTok account taken away from me. So just a pro tip for all of you who um, don't know how to secure your accounts, not just on TikTok, but in any (laughs) online thing, uh, you should always have a recovery email. And a recovery phone number. I was the idiot that signed up for TikTok with a Google voice number because, like, back in the day, I was like, China's gonna take over the world <laughs> and know all of my stuff if I sign yeah. up for TikTok. And so I put in a fake phone number. Well, then I loved TikTok and Google canceled that phone number, and now I have no way of getting my account back. So, pro tip: uh, make sure you have recovery Wait, emails and passwords for all for your accounts. Is, is
1: it officially gone? Is the account officially? Dead. Ah, uh, I've sent fourteen emails. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. To TikTok,
0: um, and they are either not responding to me. Out I of For you how many emails I sent emails.
1: them? <laughs> or,
0: but okay, but they don't understand. I am contributing to their yeah. community. Okay, I am a TikToker with seven point eight thousand followers. Okay, and. That is a TikTok account that is essential to TikTok's survival. This is like if Charlie D'Amelio got taken off TikTok. If Charlie D'Amelio made 3D printing
1: models, it it would be essential to TikTok.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, she'd be famous for a whole nother reason um, if, she, if she did that. Well, what's up, guys? My name is Victor. I am a student pastor at a local church in North and Carolina. And my name is Reagan
1: Jones, also a student pastor at the same local church in North Carolina. And welcome to Sanctified Ish Conversations with Pastors Who Just Haven't Figured It Out. Um, and this episode is kind of be a, going to be a little bit of a rollover from the last one. Um, we kind of had like a five, seven minute window at the end. Where we just started talking about worship. And this is just kind of gonna be the overflow of a lot of that podcast where we're just talking about the lifestyle of worship. How do we engage in a lifestyle of worship as followers of Jesus, but also as pastors, how do we worship and work in the same building? And how do we hold those two in tension? Um, I'm excited about this one, man. This one is yeah. uh, this one is my heart. So I'm yeah. really pumped about it.
0: This one is like this one's like right up yeah. your alley. I feel like I, you know, Reagan has gone, has gone through this like two year season of just worship focused ministry. It's been yeah. really cool to watch. And so I'm super pumped to hear a lot of your thoughts and experiences through that. I know once, once we started talking about worship in the last episode, I was like, here he goes. Well, <laughs> we have to do a whole episode about, about yeah. worship. Um, we, so at a summer camp a couple of years ago, we, uh, we had our pastor come and preach at, to our students at summer camp it was phenomenal and reagan was he was given the charge he was given the important responsibility to go up on stage after the band had had sung their last worship song he was gonna go out there and he was gonna charge our mm-hmm. students this was like a two minute hold thing a, hold a, hold a, hold where he's like not, students we love you not we two care minutes about five you. minutes you are you five are sent minutes. right it was it was they they I was told five, five, minutes. five minutes Reagan got up there and preached a whole nother sermon and here here's the here's just how great it was right our pastor was just the intro <laughs> all right that's the joke our pastor was just the intro. you really only went like two minutes over well, it wasn't no that so bad.
1: i i get teased about this mercilessly at our church um as, as, you as should. i should honestly but look, okay, like what pastor hasn't gone over on time i was told five minutes and i went back i was petty i went back to the facebook live recording <laughs> And I looked at it, and I was 7 minutes and 41 seconds. And I'm like, you know what?
0: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I was 2 minutes minutes.
1: and 41 seconds Um. over. (laughs) Sue me.
0: But all of that to say, right, that when you're passionate about something, it's really hard to be quiet about it. And I experienced the same exact thing. And so that's why, you know, this podcast – we create it so we can. It's just an overflow of what we love and what we like to talk about, and so that is what this is. This is another episode in the season that we did not <laughs> originally plan to make, but it's just yeah. going to happen because it's an overflow of of what well, we like that to talk is a, about.
1: So Reagan, I'm going to hand just saying, that is a fantastic. I was going to say I'm going to hand the reins to you. Segue because when we're talking about overflow, that's a lot of what worship is. Um, that's when we're talking about like the lifestyle of worship. It is just an overflow of being in love with Jesus, having your eyes set on him. And worship isn't just the 15 minutes of singing you see on Sunday morning. Um, And that's like 99.9% of what we, at least in the Western evangelical church, view as worship, where it's like we have the fog, we have the lights, we have the electric guitars, we sing promises three times, and then we're done. And it's like... (laughs) But yeah. that, that, that's worship yeah. and that's awesome and that's beautiful, but it is so much more, it's just a lifestyle of orienting our heart towards Jesus. And out of that come a lot of different expressions and a lot of different overflows where like you have prayer, you have, uh, the, the, the way you live your life. Like the Bible says, you can actually work as worship. Um, so th- there's just so many different expressions. Um, and as Vic said, this has kind of been something that's really been on my heart over the last couple of years. Um, I am not overly yeah. musical. that's not <laughs> so I, I think that should like give people hope here where like this isn't go, <laughs> not yeah, not, no I mean. this isn't gonna be like you know how to play like a G chord and a C chord and if you can do that now you can be a worship leader. like that's not that's not this type of podcast. Now you can play yeah, oceans. but like right. I'm incredibly passionate about worship and I'm not the most overtly musical person in the world. and I think that shows that it isn't just something for the musically inclined followers of Jesus. Like this is something that Jesus has called us to first and foremost to worship him and to behold him and to give him glory, um, whether you can play the piano or not.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good. And so I think I think what we want to tackle here is is kind of going to be broken up into two parts. We want to talk about from a pastoral perspective, how do we empower and put people in place to lead out in worship? And lead others in worship? And then how do we personally pursue and chase after a lifestyle of worship? Because as a lot of you probably relate, especially if you're in ministry, is that Sunday morning quickly becomes work. You're clocking in, clocking out rather than attending church as a member to go worship and hear the yeah. word of God spoken over you. And so Reagan, what, what, I don't know, what are some things in your life that you've noticed, some things that you've seen that have helped you combat this thing? And maybe like, what's just the reality of man outside of Sunday yeah. morning, how else do we have to pursue worship? Because sometimes Sunday morning just isn't the place. Yeah.
1: Um, well, I think first to tackle that when you talk about something when Sunday morning, just isn't the place. That's why it's a lifestyle. If we are relegating worship yeah. to just Sunday, Sunday is the day that we gather. It is not just the day that we worth it. Worship. So worship is a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And so on day, like it isn't just for Sunday. Um, and I think that's where we've confused yeah. the two, but I think when we, when you're talking about like being a pastor and having the place that you worship and work be the exact same thing, um, dude, I struggle with that a lot. Um, because at at our church, we have our middle school ministry on Sunday morning at both of our services. Um, and so even if like, if I'm in service and my mind is going and thinking about what's going in there, do we have enough of volunteers? Is my staff okay? Like, um, my mind is in a hundred different places. And so like many of us, whether or not you work in a church, we can go through the motions when it comes to a worship service, because Mm -hmm. our mind is scattered and our mind is elsewhere. The same thing goes for pastors. Um, and it's hard to take that hat off from like ministering to somebody in the lobby and then walking in two minutes later. And now I've got to like engage worshipfully with something when like, maybe I just had a hard conversation in the lobby. Like maybe I'm just overwhelmed and feel like I'm being pulled in a hundred different directions. Um, it's a difficult thing for pastors to walk through. And this is something that, um, I had a pastor who's poured into me a lot, kind of sit down with me and he's like, bro, um, you kind of have to wake up on Sunday mornings with the expectation that you need to be filled before you go in on Sunday. Um, Because you're pouring out a lot on Sunday morning and you may not get what you need to out of that gathering. So man, like I've had to start waking up earlier and spending even more time with Jesus in the morning. Um, And I've, I've started praying in the car that I'm like, okay, Lord, like this is a place of worship. This is not my place of work today. Like, if everything else fails yeah. and I get to worship you today, that is the goal of why I'm here. Um, Cause man, that, that's just, that's a hard yeah. posture to keep. That's good. Is. Yeah,
0: that's good. I mean, there, there's, that's a pretty similar discipline that I've built into my life. I, I quickly realized into my job at, at my church that Sunday morning can so easily become a place of work instead of a place of yeah. worship. And so I have a Sunday morning playlist that I put on. It's 24 minutes because that's how long it takes for me to get to my apartment, to the church. And it's just a, it's just guiding me in worship. Yeah. I stop on the way. I get a ham and cheese croissant and I get a coffee. <laughs> I sit in my car and I just spend time with Jesus. Not a ham and cheese croissant from Starbucks, yeah. not a coffee from Starbucks. I'm above that. And if you're not above that, You should be above that. Where do you get Um, it from? But I stop and I get a ham and cheese. Oh, a local local bakery, local coffee shop. McDonald's? I can't tell people. No, 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 no. (laughs) This is like, this is top tier. Okay.
1: This is top tier.
0: But they're not sponsoring this episode. So I can't say their name. Uh, But if they want to sponsor this episode, hit us up um but i have this routine in the morning so that i make sure that i am filled up before walking into the doors of church because i know that i'm going to have to pour out yeah. so much to my yeah. parents to my students to my other co-workers to church members and so if i walk into sunday morning drained then I'm going to walk out a corpse of what yeah. I was when I walked in, not having accomplished the task that I've been given as a church yeah, member
1: and a Christian that is to worship Jesus. Yeah. And I think that's, so that's, yeah. that, that's the hard part. Cause like that isn't just for pastors. Um, And I think especially like our campus is majority families. And so you walk in and I'm like, for parents, the second you wake up, it is an all out war with your kids for those first like 30 (laughs) to 45 minutes to get them into church, eat your breakfast, get in the car. And it's like in the same way of like our minds might be distracted or we're like tired and we're exhausted by the time we're getting into that like worship service, like like parents are the same way. It's like, I mean, you, you listen, like, like something may have happened. Like it, it, our, our minds are distracted and our hearts are distraught when we're walking into worship. Um, it's so, a man, like, honestly, your weapon in that is seriously prayer. Um, like you fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. And so before you, before you walk yeah. into the worship center or the auditorium or whatever y'all call it, like take a moment and like, don't enter that casually. Um, T- like, begin yeah. like say like, Lord, whatever happens in here, I'm here to exalt you and to glorify you. And a big part of worship is preparation. It is the preparation. Yeah. It is a preparation. If you look in the Old Testament, um, temple worship is one of my favorite things. Because like, there is chapters upon chapters upon chapters upon chapters of preparations. And like the little things, the the, 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 the gold that they would use in the temple, the wood, how much they need. They, they, they would prepare for months to build this thing. yeah, And then they would have like a a, a big parade that would enter into the temple gathering just to offer sacrifices into worship. And so like the preparation is longer than the worship service. And I think we need to have a similar mindset where like, we have to prepare our hearts and our minds and our bodies for the worship gathering that we are heading into um, in order to get the most out of it. That's good.
0: And it's like, their preparation in the old Testament, I think shows how much they value worship and how high they hold the character of God and how, how high and mighty they understand him to be and worthy of their worship and worthy of their preparation. Right. And even in their preparation, like in that being an act of worship in a sense. Right. And so like you see, these beautiful pictures in the old Testament and even a lot so in some places in the new Testament. And I think it should give us a better understanding that worship yes, happens on Sunday yeah. morning. We lead, we participate and we are in this act of worship with our congregation, but it is something that exceeds the four walls of the yeah. building exceeds Sunday. And it's something that, pastor or not we need to be participating in literally every second of our life because Romans is very clear that like our life is a living sacrifice yeah. we should be living as an act of worship to Jesus and if our lives can't be characterized by that mm-hmm then we're missing the mark. We're missing the point of what worship is and what it really means to be a true, genuine follower of Christ.
1: Well, and and there's the old saying, it's like, I mean, we're all wired for worship, so it's not necessarily like, are you worshiping? It's what are you worshiping? And so worship is just—it's literally just what you center your life around and what you ascribe worth. Like our pastor at uh, at the mm-hmm. church that we're at, he says like worship is ship. It is ascribing worth to something. So like whatever yeah. you ascribe the most worth in your life, that is what you worship. Um, and so when we feel the 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 decreased inclination to worship with the church when we feel the the decreased inclination to get into God's word, when we feel like the decreased inclination to do these worshipful things, it is probably because there is something that we are ascribing more worth in that moment than Jesus. Um, and for pastors, the hard part is that can be the work of the ministry. Um, where it's like, I'm ascribing more worth (laughs) in that moment (laughs) to like the dumpster fires that are going on in middle school ministry because like, that's where my responsibilities are lying. And so I'm like, I am missing out on the worship in the moment, because the work is going on. But the crazy thing is, man, like- Yeah. There's always gonna be work. Um, Like work is a good thing, but God wants my worship more than he wants my ministry. Um, And yeah. do like well, us as pastors, we have to fight, 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 fight to give God our worship over our work.
0: Yeah, that's good. I know one thing that we say a lot is character over competency. Yeah and this is this is where like the church that you work for the church that you participate in either if you're like the lead person or maybe you're a student guy whatever it might be if if your church emphasizes the work that you do over your participation in worship and love and pursuit of jesus then there's a big issue there that needs to be tackled Mm -hmm. right thankfully the church that we work at emphasizes our character and over our competency right so i can be phenomenal at my job if i don't have a deep walk with jesus they could really care less right they could care less about me working at the church but if i had a deep walk with jesus i loved him and i was on fire for him and man my competencies in some areas were lacking i can learn those i can grow in those there are people that can come around me and help me grow and you know managing my budget <laughs> or you know the logistics of putting on an event whatever it might be yeah. and so that's one thing that i've really appreciated reagan being at a campus and and a part of a church that has just a lot of people how have you been able to navigate the tension of putting people in positions of power that lead others in worship because you are indirectly like if a person that you put in power to lead worship then misuses that or doesn't know how to lead properly in worship uh, that responsibility ultimately falls on you thanks man and so have you experienced (laughs) the tensions there um
1: (laughs) yes all the time you're welcome you're welcome um yeah there isn't like a tuck you in at night like make you feel good easy answer to that question um because i also know that somebody put me and spiritual authority as well. And I know the sin in my own heart. Um, yeah. And so I, I think anytime we like, we're talking about like, there's, there's things we want to hold in tension when it comes to like, especially like worship leading is that man, every single person is broken. Um, and there's not going to be a worship leader that is not full of sin. Um, and like living a life of sin and being full of sin are two very different things. Um, and so like, we need yeah. to understand that people are broken but we also need to understand that it is a privilege and it is like, it is not a right that it is a, an, an honor to lead someone in worship. Um, and I think like, that's, that's hard. Cause like, uh, honestly, it's. The hard part is like majority of my worship experience has been with student worship. Um, and that's just like, I, we can get into that story later, but like, that's what God has kind of like, <laughs> that's, that's a whole other podcast in and of itself, but yeah, like that, that's, sure. that's what God has really like <laughs> put in my lap just kind of unassumingly over the last two, two and a half years. And when we're putting 14, 15, 16 year olds who are still some of them like infants in their walk with Jesus in and of themselves in positions of leadership, that yeah. is naturally a, like a, a weighty spiritual authority position. Like, dude, I, I've, I've, I've gone back and forth where I'm like, did I put a position in, did, I, did I put a student in a position they weren't ready for? Um, like I, I go yeah. back and forth in that all the time. Um, the comfort that I have, um, is simply that I'm like, we use student worship as a discipleship vehicle, first and foremost, that like, bro, there is a difference in what we do than what like our worship leaders on Sunday morning do. Um, there's a different calling, there's a different weights, it's similar, but there's a difference. Um. And so For that's sure. where it's like, well, one of our good friends, like Emily Rhodes, one of our really good friends, she oftentimes talks to me. She's like, yeah, I got saved leading worship. <laughs> like she was like, I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't love Jesus leading in my youth group, but it was because I was leading worship in my youth group. Yeah. that I then came to know Jesus. And so like, that's where if we're talking Sunday morning, I'm like, there is a high authority um, to where like, you need to be on top of it. Like the expectations are different when we're talking student yeah. worship, men. I'm like I'm using that as a vehicle of discipleship in a similar way that we would use like small groups. Um, again, it's not it's not the same, yeah. but like I want you to love Jesus more because of it. Um, but it's it's a hard balance. It's a hard yeah. balance.
0: And yeah, it it really is. And I think that's a good segue into something that I've been thinking quite a bit about something that we mentioned probably in a previous episode. It's this concept of like God resisting the proud and lifting up the humble. And one thing that I've noticed, at least in my life is that worship has been a tool that God has used to humble me because worship forces you to recognize the majesty of God. And I can't do that. If I am approaching it from a position of pride, right? Like if I'm entering worship in a, you know, mightier than thou attitude. Hold on. You you can. Then I cannot participate. You can.
1: That looks very similar. It looks incredibly similar, but what's underneath is the same. So I'm like, that's the hard part is you can have two people respond in worship and both are raising their hands. One can be general, like genuine adoration. The other can be pride. I'm going through the motions. Like the physical expression doesn't necessarily like mean that you're following God or have like this close walk with him in your heart. It's just an expression of what happens. Um, but it's, it's hard to notice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It it is hard to notice. And I think, I think it depends on your heart posture going into it. Right. Because I would not in a prideful way, classify myself as having a relatively like genuine and deep walk with Jesus. And so when I am experiencing bouts of pride or experiencing you know mightier than thou attitudes god like i'm relatively sensitive to when god humbles me um because thankfully like he's held me close in my walk with him but i think you're right if if there's someone that has maybe been living in some sin and has kind of embraced it of you know in their life and and they have not confessed it and and they're not convicted and they're they're living this life that is counter to the one that we're called to in scripture and they walk into church sunday morning and they can put their hands in the air and deceive themselves of being a really good you know genuine christian when in fact the only time that they look like they're even worshiping is on sunday morning when they put a hand in the air and that's a good
1: thing to touch on because like the Bible demands physical response in worship. Um, it does. You look through all, all throughout the Psalms. It's it's a raise of the hand. It's the clashing of the symbols. It's falling on your knees. Like there there is some sort of a response when it comes to worship. Um, and the thing that I've told our student worship team and I've, t- I've told our students um, is that it's not a sin to not raise your hands in church. Um, like I know a lot of like really godly people Um, that have never raised their hands in church before in their entire life. Um, So like, it's not a sin to not raise your hand in church, but like your worship is going to reflect your view of God. And so if you have a high view of God and like what you're talking about, like the reverence of him and the beauty of him and the majesty, it is going to produce something in you. And if nothing is produced, yeah. The the, the the issue isn't necessarily the, the the action of that. It's it's going back down to the root of like, man, where's my heart with God? Am I beholding yeah. Him? Have I have I lost the beauty of Him? Um, and, and you and I know this better than anybody. Um, you can go to a summer camp, and we put so much emphasis on the physical expressions, um, and rightly yeah. so because it drives me crazy to walk into like a church and see 5% of the people like raising their hands. Like, it drives me nuts, dude. Cause like I want, I <laughs> I want the church to be passionate and express it passionately. Yeah. Because when I see people on their knees worshiping, when I see people raising their hands, it reminds me that God isn't just moving in my life. It's moving in their lives. Like uh, our, our our pastor at Summit, he, he's very like intimate on like, you need to pray out loud, pray out loud, pray out loud. They're like, yes, God can hear the prayers of your heart, but your neighbor can't our physical expression of worship is the exact same. Like God can hear. Yes. He can hear the worship in your heart. Praise God. I can't. (laughs) And I need to see physically the move of worship when I walk in there on a Sunday morning. Um, The flip side of that is that we can go to a camp and we can get deceived because man, like you and I have talked about this. We see 99% of the kids raising hands, doing like going crazy, bro. Like the, the Holy, the Holy sways where you put your arm around one another and Mm -hmm. sway down front. Um, Mm -hmm. and so the expression is there, but the heart isn't always there. Um, and that's why I kind of coming back full circle. Like it's, it's a lifestyle of worship. It isn't just raising your hands, but like it's a heart posture and a lifestyle that's oriented around Jesus. And that can look a lot of different ways.
0: Yeah, that's really good. And I think I I think kind of bouncing off the whole camp thing, it's really interesting because you see these heightened emotions at summer camp. Yeah. You have these students that have, you know, and and almost rightfully so. I mean, we're in a secluded area, no cell phones, no technology, no (laughs) stresses, no school, no like hopefully no drama, although it's oh, there's there's always drama. drama. But we try. We try and remove all distractions possible to create a space where students can come and worship. And so naturally, that's going to cause an emotional response. That's that's what we're going for. But this whole.
1: That's that's literally what we're trying to create.
0: And it's like. And when and when students go back home. Right. And then the stresses of life hit you like a wave you have your you know classes your drama your technology your parents your teachers all clashing down on you at the same time now all of a sudden you don't feel the same and i think it is so incredibly important to realize that worship is not an emotion worship is a lifestyle so i worship when my emotions tell me not to worship And I worship when my emotions tell me to worship. My worship should not be dictated on how I feel in the moment. My worship should just be the way that I live. And you can see that expressed all throughout the Old Testament. Lamentations is a fantastic (laughs) example. It's one of the saddest, most depressing books in the entire Bible. It's literally just sadness. And what is smack dab there in the middle in Lamentations 3? It's worship and so if if we are capable of worship at our lowest of Mm -hmm. lows then that means that it can't be dependent on how we feel in the moment it has to be dependent on the way that we live our life look at daniel right and babylon like he worked like every single day as he's in exile in another Mm -hmm. nation right like it was a lifestyle
1: Well, and you just touched on something really important because th- this is why I love worship because you can see the same thing that draws my heart is the same thing that draws like all these biblical characters, like from generation to generation to generation, like they are drawn to worship the same God. And that's what I love. Like we are drawn to the same source to respond to the same source. And I think like you even just touched on the point where like our emotion is not based on, or, or our worship is not based on our emotion, but God has gifted us emotion. And what emotion is, is like, it's a good thing. Um, like I've cried more in the car, listening to worship than any other time. And that's, that's okay. That's a good thing. Like, that's just how God wired me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: There's room for emotion and worship to, to express your worth to him. But I think we oftentimes withhold worship from God when a, we don't feel it or our circumstance doesn't necessarily, um, encourage us to worship. Um, I always go to like act 16, Um, that is like my, when, when, COVID hit and all I had was just a a student worship band of like 12 kids. Um, that's the, that's the, the drum that I beat for like a year of like when Paul and Silas are in the prison, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were hanging upside down and they were praying and they were singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening. And so like in your moment of suffering, people are listening to you. And in that, what yeah. are they going to hear? Are they going to hear us complaining guilty or are they going to hear us worshiping? Yeah. And we don't worship out of our emotion. Like you just said, we don't worship out of our circumstance because there's nothing to worship in that moment, but they are so focused on God that even in that moment, yeah. they are ascribing him worth. And like, and this is the cool thing. I was talking with uh, one of our friends a day, a couple days ago about this, that like, there's a miracle in that passage um they like there's an earthquake that comes and, and the, the prison doors open and all these prisoners come free and so oftentimes we are looking for a miracle in our life and we are withholding our worship until that miracle comes and then like hey the miracle came praise god yeah. we worship him no there and like there is like theological backing for that like we we do respond in worship but again there's preparations in worship that there, there, there is a for heart sure. that can worship yeah. god and can adore him long before the miracle comes um, and man, that's the worship that I long to see the church embrace. Um, not just the celebratory, yeah. but like the stuck in a hard circumstance, but I'm going to lead on the faithfulness and promises of God. Like that's, that's a really powerful testimony in worship.
0: Yeah, that's good. I, I love the reminder of we don't worship because God answered our prayers the way that we wanted mm-hmm. him to answer our prayers. Mm-hmm. We worship because God is God and he deserves it. And so we do it. And when he answers our prayers the way we want, we worship. When he has a different idea of what is right, we worship. When he doesn't answer the prayers that we want him to answer the way that we want him to answer it, we worship. Worship is the response to God because he is sovereign. He is mighty. He is holy. And
1: so that's what we do. And it's also a reminder of what's to come. So, like worship is one of those few yeah. moments that it should take our our eyes off of the, the 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 present circumstances and the promises to come of just eternity. Um, like yeah. a, a reminder of like this is what we get to do. That like every tribe, tongue, and nation will stand around this the throne singing, holy, holy, holy is the one who was and is and is to come. Like that is what we get to do for eternity. Yeah. Um yeah. And man, like that's that is a good reminder of like maybe it is a hard season and it is a difficult time, eternity is much longer than what you are going through. And so worship can like turn our eyes towards eternity and God while also remembering that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit. And both of those things can be very true at the exact same time.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, If we were to switch gears really briefly, I wanna touch maybe more so on Church culture and current church, you know, I guess temperature of where worship is at. And when I say church, I'm referencing more so American, um, Western kind of church culture. There's been this modern resurgence over the past couple of years that has had a heavy stance against repetition in worship. And so the uh, the easiest example that I can I can look at is John MacArthur kind of coming at a couple of different churches, different worship groups because they have the same lyric over and over and over and over and over and over. And my mind immediately went to, well, for all of eternity, past and future, Jesus is hearing, you know, glory to him glory to him glory to him the one who is and you know like like on rep on repeat for eternity right so Reagan I don't know do you how have you kind of sensed church culture kind of maybe changing or going in a direction that maybe you don't like and how do we how do we steer clear of maybe being a little bit too critical in our worship and then maybe where do we come back and where is it important for us to be critical
1: in our Um. worship that's a great question, man. I think when we are thinking of repetition doesn't always mean theologically void, um, but yeah. like sometimes it does. And so like that, that, that is the tension at play. So I think For sure. um, the the biggest example that I can point to the Bible is the phrase, holy, holy, holy. Um, so one of the things we've actually been doing as a student worship team is we've just been writing songs with high schoolers and middle schoolers over the last two years. And one of the songs we, we literally just <laughs> yeah. wrote came out of like Isaiah six and revelations, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. And that phrase, holy, holy, holy is repetition. Like that's what the angels were singing around the throne It's just holy, holy, holy. It's repetition, but it's not theologically void because if you look at the phrasing in Hebrew, like holy in and of itself, like there are other things that are called holy, like the Sabbath is called holy but God is called holy, holy, holy. It's that holy to the third degree that in Hebrew means that it is like holy to the utmost extent, that there's nothing, like he is not just holy. He is holy, eternally eternally holy. holy. So that's what I mean when it's like, yes, repetition is fine. Repetition is good. We're going to be repeating the same thing over and over and over and over, but it can't be theologically void either. Um, And so I think like, again, I'm a 25-year-old 25, students, 25 year old student pastor. I don't have <laughs> all the answers or my pulse on everything. Um, but yeah. I do think there is a, there is an overstimulation to this sounds great and I want to be a part of it. And on the flip side, there is this also like, I hate everything that Bethel puts out. I hate everything that elevation puts out. I hate everything that passion puts out Yeah, because it's the big mega church with the fog and the smoke. And if it's not from the Baptist hymnal, it's not of Jesus. And like, I think both of those need to come to center. Um, like I, I I see this like a lot with our students. Like there's a desire to want to be like elevation. Um, because like, it sounds good. They're incredibly talented musicians. Um, for but sure. also like what we are singing matters more than the way we sing it. Um, yeah. So we should strive to be great musicians, but we should strive to be great musicians that exalt Christ above everything else. But on the flip side, there is a, For sure. an attitude of look at the log in your eye before you look at the speck in your neighbors um, attitude when it yeah. comes to looking at just blanketing um, I'm just going to blackball anything from Bethel or anything from elevation or anything from passion or anything from like any of these other churches, like use discernment. I think that that is the best, yeah. the yeah. best way that I could do that is use discernment. Um, but I, I think, I think both of those camps kind of need a, a bringing home to center.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole conversation that's definitely and I think it's important to have in the future um, it's important for, for you and your church to have these conversations uh, because they're important yeah. the, way, the way in which we approach God's throne should be done with yeah. reverence right and so we don't want to take it lightly yeah. and so while I agree with much of the reformed camp that yes there are certain songs from Bethel, Elevation these more quote unquote you know modern church worship bands that i would be like yeah maybe maybe the theology in those songs are questionable and maybe i wouldn't sing. Yeah. right i could also point to many of the reformed hymnists that people look at and put on a pedestal and say the same thing about them yeah. i mean the the author of it yep. as well had absolutely terrible theology in fact he probably yep. was a heretic yep and yet we hold that song on such a high pedestal and so i think there's just i think there's this this point that we have to come to where we meet each other in the middle and we 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 take this seriously but we don't just cast each other yeah. off as demons and well, enemies because we're never going to have a fruitful conversation and right honestly life.
1: i think it's okay to not meet in the middle i actually really do um because that is like the beauty of the worship of the god that we serve um is that it doesn't just look like one thing yeah. um that there is room yeah. for the table for like as long as like theologically good, honoring to Christ, like there is room for the heavy metal worship, there is room for the hymnal worship, there is room for, for sure. like the early '90s non-denom Hillsong worship that is like our God is an awesome God. Like <laughs> love that, grew up on that. He, he reigns, man. He reigns. Praise Jesus. Some <laughs> of those '90s worship songs slap. Yeah. They really do. They hit different. They, they hit, hit different.
0: Bro. They hit the electric guitar comes different. in different. <laughs> um, but I, but, but no, I, I do think you're right. Maybe meet in the middle. I think unified or right? just not unified, common, for uniform, common for grace. Sake, but unified, co-
1: co- common grace like, and discernment. Like sh- I think those are the two things that I'm like, yeah, make sure we look at the, the log in our own eye before the speck in another person. And I'm saying that to myself as much as I am to say to anybody else, but also a common grace that I'm like, if it just doesn't sound the way that you like, if it's nothing wrong theologically, but you just don't like the sound, that's okay because that's not meant for you. Um, but that's meant yeah. for somebody else who may engage worship in a different way like that. Then th- then that's meant for them and praise God.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's like this John 17 unity. If worship doesn't lead us to Christ-like unity, then there might be something that we need to look at yeah. rather than pointing fingers as long as it's theologically correct and sound and i think that's where kind of maybe where where we can wrap this up is how do we be critical of songs that man just just miss the mark they're just more us centered more focused on you know things that aren't jesus is ultimately worship is about and for in all encompassing like jesus and so how do we as we'll, we'll approach this from two sides, a church member and a church yeah. staff person approach the man. I I don't think that song was ultimately for Jesus. I think that song was those, those was are for two me.
1: very different conversations. Um, because for the church member, yeah. um, I would also, I would direct it back. I'm forgetting the reference off the top of my head. It's late. Um, but where Paul is like, Hey, like so, some <laughs> preach Christ out of their own vanity, but like praise God, Christ is preached. Um, I would say the same thing. Like, even if there's like, if there's false motives in the song, praise God. Like I recognize my Jesus and like, I can, I can use a broken song to worship my God. Um, I am not dependent on a perfect song to worship Jesus because a perfect song doesn't exist. Um, Even, even take like a cornerstone, which is like the modern evangelical amazing grace. That is not necessarily a perfect song. It doesn't encapsulate everything that there yeah. is about the known God of the universe. Um, and so recognizing that our songs are broken offerings in the first place. Um the, the second part of that uh is where if it's a church staff or a church member, there needs to be like due diligence, there needs to be follow-up. Um, because honestly, there yeah. dude, we've played songs in our student ministry sometimes where I'm like, hey, we probably shouldn't have played that song. Um And like, it's, it's not like you have to have a perfect track record with this, but like accountability of going back and looking at your songs, like, are your songs multi-ethnic? Um, are like, are your songs theologically correct? Are we doing like a, a, a diverse sound of worship? Are we including prayer in our worship sets on Sunday morning? Um, yeah, that's one of the biggest things that like, I think our campus does very well is that worship is just a rhythm of not just what we do in the seats, it's a rhythm of what we do on the stage, like in the worship set. Um, like I think having yeah. accountability from the stage, there is a much higher level of authority and accountability um, to a worship leader or a church staff member than I would say for, for a church member in and of himself.
0: Yeah, that's good. I, th- I think there's this, I think there's this misunderstanding or just this concept of like, if you hear a song that like you think is a little questionable, I just need to throw in the towel and find no. another church. Well, that's not, that's not unifying. Up. That's not necessarily. Do we pace. do that with sermons?
1: No, like, yeah, bro, there've been so many sermons, like the, the, the whole phrase, like chew up the meat and spit out the bones. Can we not do that with worship songs as well? Yeah. Um, like there have been some sermons that I've sounded or I'm like, eh, like 80% of that. Yes, absolutely. But like 20%, I'm like, eh, that's, that's a little, that's a little tough, man. Um, and again, yeah. I'm not saying there isn't accountability, and I'm not saying that like we don't hold like like theology high in our worship. We do, but I'm like as a church member, I can recognize my Jesus in that, and I can worship through that. Um, yeah. But it's hard. It's a tension.
0: yeah, it's hard. It's attention. Yeah, it's hard. It's attention. It's attention to navigate, yeah. as some would say. Yeah. Well, Reagan. I mean, that was. I I feel like worship again. This has probably been. Every conversation that we've had has been made. We could talk so much more on the idea and the concept and the beauty, the awesomeness that is the fact that we even have the opportunity to engage in worship, let alone lead out in it. And so this has been a good conversation, but I doubt it will be our last surrounding worship. And so, yeah, y'all, it won't be the next (laughs) one, though. We promise we're not foreshadowing anything. It won't be the next one, but Awesome. Any last thoughts before we uh, wrap up here? We got a minute and 50 Absolutely. seconds. Absolutely. I
1: can do this in a minute and 50 seconds. And if I do it in 7 minutes and 49 seconds, it's going to go for
0: 14 <laughs> minutes now.
1: I apologize. I set you, you up. I signed up for. Um, I set you up. I so I I would say like this has been a big part, like not just like running student worship, but just worship as a whole has been a big part of my life over the last two to three years, and I'm not musically inclined. And so if you're sitting in here, it's like, well, like I'm not a worship leader. I don't know how to play the piano. Like how do I engage with worship? Fall in love with Jesus and figure out how you engage in worship after that. Um, It can be through prayer. It can be through like going to Guitar Center and buying a piano and learning Amazing Grace on the piano. Like play that one song over and over and over and over and over. Um, Or just listening to worship and walking around your apartment. like. What I want for our students and what I want for my life and what I would want for you to listening as well is that worship would become a spiritual discipline that we hold in such esteem as like missions and reading our Bible and like these other things that I feel like worship falls as to like, well, that's only for the musically gifted. It is not. God has created you to worship, do not miss out on the beauty. Like I've seen more of him and he has drawn me closer to him over the last two years through the vehicle of worship than anything else. Um, And I would pray and I would want you to experience the fullness of that um, as well
0: yeah that's good well thank you guys for tuning in we drop a podcast every friday you can follow us on all of our social medias tiktok that's all <laughs> them. Uh, but we have more stuff coming so stay on the lookout we've already gotten a handful of emails from people who have listened yeah, to the email podcast us. and we appreciate your emails we want to hear from you sanctifiedish at gmail.com we try and get back to you guys as soon or as quickly as we can but we're both super busy so we will do our best at getting back to you um and we thank you guys for tuning in guys until next time, Peace. take care and God bless. See ya.